Saying low, Apple Music. Sometimes you just sit down and talk to somebody and right away you know that it's going to be the first of many really engaging conversations. I had that experience with a, a, a new artist called Arlo Parks very early on. And, you know, we were all moved by the music. It came as no surprise to anyone who heard her debut album, Collapsed in Sunbeams, that would go on to become certified, nominated, and critically acclaimed, loved by many, and set her on this beautiful path. But, you know, what I wasn't prepared for was just how thoughtful she was going to be in that first conversation out the gate. A lot of new artists are still searching for how to communicate through their music outside of music. She was just built for that. And she uses her words in a really thoughtful way, and she doesn't waste them, uh, unlike me. So I'm going to get out of the way. Uh, a brand new conversation with a remarkable new artist. It's the interview series, and our new one right here is with brilliant Arlo Parks. How many times did you listen to it before it was finished and you could let it go? Was it quick? A lot. A lot. A lot of times. A lot of times. A lot. And yet, for me, when I heard it for the very first time, I would have just been happy from the second I heard it. Like, because <laughs> it's so immediate and so instant and so stunning. But I suppose I should remind everybody who I'm talking to, because I have a habit of just picking up wherever I started about 10 minutes ago. Arlo, it's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. How's it going? Good. I feel well. I'm kind of in this nice creative flow, kind of having finished the record. Yeah, yeah. Doing a lot of writing. And good. Resting. That yeah. often happens, right? Like once you actually get something that you visualized or you've dreamed of out of your system, then new things emerge. And, exactly. You know, it's best not to get in the way of those. Does it make you sort of wonder, is it done? This new thing I just did would have fit perfectly on this new album. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, when a record is finished, like yeah. the space is cleared in my heart and I kind of, it, it becomes then a gift that I give away and then there's just space like a complete blank slate and i feel like the record was made in this like very contained period of time and like nothing else would really fit yeah it was just like this one snapshot that makes perfect sense i love it you know when you when you find how do you know when your heart is full enough to make a record or when your heart has something mm. that you need to release there's just this urgency i remember my my friend describing it as like a bird's urge to migrate. There's mm. just like something pulling you in a direction yeah. that's like almost subconscious. Yeah. And that's how I feel. Sometimes I feel that, but I don't know what I want to make or mm. what I want to say. And there's five things that I want to do. And it depends on what time of the day I wake up. And I realize I'm not in a situation where I'm, I'm clear enough or have purity of vision to be mm. able to, to, I'm just going to be searching in the dark. Does that I'm ever happen to is, you? I think that that's a good thing, honestly. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, you, you go fishing and you just sit and you wait and sometimes nothing comes and it can be frustrating or confusing or sometimes something comes you didn't expect. Yeah. But I think just allowing that, allowing for that, allowing for being stuck or having some kind of block or wanting to go for a walk instead and hang out with your friends and leave the studio after 45 minutes. Like, it can be anything. You have a, it sounds like you have a pretty mature relationship with time. Most of us are racing against it, trying mm. to make more of it, uh, running out of it. Even though just the last couple of minutes of talking to you, it seems to me that you respect time and you respect what it needs to do. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think it took me a while to kind of learn patience. I think especially when it comes to writing, I want it to be perfect now. And I think I had that real sense of kind of frantically searching after the perfect way to say something, the perfect phrasing, the perfect chords. But then I actually, in this writing process, found proof that when you actually leave things alone and allow for them to take the time that they're going to take, Yeah, then that's when the best things come. Is Collapse and Sunbeams perfect in its, in its form? I think it, it is what it is. I, I rarely use the word perfect, but I feel like it captures where I was then. And it, and it felt like, it felt honest, mm. and it felt like who I was at the time. When you look back on that time and that person, does it feel like light years ago or does it feel like yesterday? 
It feels like light years ago. Yeah. Honestly, it feels like so long ago. I feel like I've lived a lot of life in between then and now. Which is so funny because most artists release music and then they start tour it and do all the shenanigans, mm, right? Shenanigans. You know? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know, all the stuff that comes with it, you know. Get, mm-hmm. Hi, I'm shenanigans. Nice <laughs> to meet you. you Not know. that. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I'm a little bit shenanigans. <laughs> I mean, it's all part of the stuff you didn't really, weren't sure what you were going to have to do alongside what you love to do. Mm. And that takes up um, that takes up time and, and sometimes the, the, the living of the life actually takes a back seat to all of that stuff. How were you able to prioritize life lived over the pressures and the stuff that comes with being Arlo Parks, the recognizable artist, not the human. I feel like it's kind of constant struggle. I think I realized I have to be very intentional about like carving out that space for rest. And honestly, I think that shows in the work. Like when I have rested, when I have like gone to the beach or met someone new or traveled, Mm. the work is so much more rich and like Mm. my cup is full. And then when I try and just work through my life, then I realize I have nothing to say. And <laughs> that is even worse. So <laughs> yeah, <where laughs> learning else, to chill. Where else do you get a line like this? You know, um, I love this lyric so much. I'm so glad you made it the central theme of the song, the North Star, which is when you brace all my impurities and I feel clean again. Mm. It's interesting. That makes me feel a couple of different ways. Like on the one side of it, I, I love the, the purity of intent. Um, the idea of, of of being with someone who ultimately makes you feel like even through your impurities, it's okay. There's there's a flawlessness to, to being flawed. Yeah. But then also, um, to embrace someone's impurities is to absorb their impurities as well. And that can sometimes cross a line into a selfish release. Um, help me get over myself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I I don't know where, where, where it sits for you, but I love the fact that on any given day, it could mean both. Exactly. It's exactly that. I think it started off as kind of a celebration of like the new community that I'd found in LA and the people that made me kind of feel like myself and like I could be myself. And then I started thinking about the idea of, you know, somebody completing you and somebody kind of taking on the things about you that you don't like and yeah. somehow saving you. And that kind of double meaning that I think double was meaning. really interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. I think it's one of the great tests of any long term relationship Mm. friendship or otherwise was all friendship is if you can present those flaws to people and someone doesn't feel either the need to save them or you don't feel the need to be saved Mm. that's when you know you got something good going on otherwise i do think it's kind of like a whole bunch of things set in motion and the end is always going to be the same exactly pretty bad yeah pretty bad (laughs) pretty bad bad. yeah no that balance that balance is so interesting i think finding people who you do feel like you can lean on and not having that kind of Mm. like solitude, lone wolf kind of insular approach to your pain and kind of caving in and Mm. never looking outwards. But then also knowing that the change has to come from within. I love that you came searching for that in Los Angeles. It's a city that gets a bad reputation for community and Mm. friendship circles. A lot of people talk about it in terms of singular ambition, drive, all those words that kind of mean something when you're at a certain point in your life and left and right of them, they can be quite ugly. Mm. I don't find LA ugly at all. I've found some some of the most beautiful relationships and amazing people I've ever known in this city and have a great community around me. Mm. How's your experience been out here? I feel the same, mm. honestly. I think maybe I came here just completely open. I didn't really have that many um, pre-existing kind of notions of what it might be like. Mm. And I came also, you know, wanting to make a record and having these 
people who I had that thing in common with who were just creative and loved music and that community kind of just spread out into all kinds of creative people and I don't know I think I found it it feels like home I think there was this sense of like the city did like embrace me and I feel like I don't know I wanted a new adventure mm -hmm. and I just found good people and made a record that I loved and that's kind of made me think of LA like fondly forever well, you also worked with a member of a band that was like 50 deep and all lived together for about five mm -hmm. years so oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Ramil understands exactly what it means to be able to share and collaborate <laughs> and, and share space yeah why did you choose to work with the people you choose to work with and who exactly did you make this album with just for people who don't know so I have a long list of collaborators, um, all wonderful people and all who kind of bring different things out of me. Mm. So I worked a lot with Ramil. Uh, I mean, this song in particular, Impurities, was Carter Lang and yeah. Ramil. Yes. Um, and I honestly just chose them because I was, I was a big fan. And I felt like, you know, it's the, the first track on the record is kind of more spoken word. And this is the first like song song on the record. Perfect. And it, I wanted it to feel like a door opening in that sense of atmosphere. Well, it does. Is. Even the music, even if you listen to like, you know, the just that little beautiful little little thing kind of. Like, mm. It's so curious, mm. and it's so crazy because you think you're a bit lost in an unknown melody until this moment here. Oh, the little resolve at the end. That chord at the end just had me my feelings so hard this morning. <laughs> Cause I was like, oh, okay, what part of the world am I in here? And then, oh no, I'm at home. Yeah, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. I wanted it to feel searching. I wanted it to feel like I was kind of like adrift in a way. And then the lyrics kind of then root you in like, it's the people, the people are the home. And I love the people that make me feel at home. What was the process of finding the thoughts, converting them to words and making them exist? Like, how did you find the song on this music? I just like, I honestly don't know. It was one of those songs that almost happened like by accident because it was the first day that me and Rowan met mm. and we spent most of the day just hanging out. And then this was kind of just made like as an aside and very, very quickly. And he just played me that sample and the lightning bolt just struck Yeah. and I recorded it. And then I was like, okay, let's go back to hanging out <laughs> and like awesome. listening to the Beatles and like driving around. It was, yeah. And I think that you know, those songs that happen almost by accident or that feel like you're just like channeling something, you're just like a vessel for this moment. And I think I only started to really understand what I was writing about retrospectively in the moment. It just was like, yeah, and I you, needed it. I think that's the only way you really should. I, and I know it's not that easy every time. A lot of times, you know, it is a conscious experience and you have to search for what it is you're trying to say and it's deep and you need a, you know, it's like a garden sort of, spade and cement <laughs> it's like <laughs> i've got to just find this thing and i'm never gonna find it yes but the dream is obviously to be able to listen back to it and realize that even you were caught off guard mm. and honestly it's all the songs on the record were like that i never went into it with my spade the spade vibe is not for me That's <laughs> i'm just like when it when it comes yeah. it comes yeah you know? yeah so what role has the has the previous few years and and finding us and your fans and your audience and and us finding you, mm. what, if any, impact has that had on this album and on this point in your life? Can you separate it completely? Do you let it absorb? I feel like I, the process that I make music by is always going to be quite insular. I feel like I try it, but I try and cultivate that almost. Like, I like the idea of feeling like a teenager in my bedroom all the time. Like, I like feeling like I'm away from the world. 
and then I can kind of craft this little thing that is just for me at least for now but I think definitely a big impact that like being out in the world and having people embrace my music was just it gave me a lot more courage I was like I can be brave I can be myself and that I guess encouraged me to go inwards a lot more radically on this record rather than speaking about characters and people outside of me it was a lot more I interesting and like the self. yeah there was a lot of really beautiful observant songwriting on your debut album and I've mm. never felt like you were writing by proxy but it definitely felt like you were there was it was an empathetic album I mm. thought yeah definitely a lot of empathy a lot of sharing a lot of searching a lot of trying to repair and fix so far this based on what I'm hearing right now this doesn't sound like that yeah it's a little different I, I don't know I, I guess I haven't really I didn't go into making this record with an intention it was just like I don't know, I was taking notes of, of growth, I guess, like unconsciously and just yeah. taking notes of what was around me and how I felt about the world and how that changed and just made music that felt really good. I was just like chasing that feeling. How do you feel about the world? How do I feel about the world? I feel hopeful. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of things to maybe not be hopeful about, but I do feel hopeful. Same. And, I'm, and sometimes I question that feeling. I'm like, am I on natural dr drugs? Like, am I <laughs> like, why is it that I'm going through this life feeling hopeful and every single turn right now feels really rough? Mm. But there is some kind of like weird, unspoken, un uh, unexplainable optimism. Yeah. That I seem to feel. Yeah. Like I think if I could get as close to putting it in words, I think maybe that's because I feel like the day is darkest before the dawn mm. it's like maybe this is what we all have to sort of go through in order yeah. to find some light yeah exactly exactly and i feel like you have to you have to hold on to that feeling of of hope because otherwise there really is nothing you know yeah you could have gone anywhere in the world you know and i know you came here to some degree because you wanted the, the you know to work in the creative space with the people who are based out here mm. but you are a curious person and you've gone from what one um you know interesting uh, ancient philosophical and political environment into an into a younger one but mm. with but a similar hot spot yeah you know and i wonder kind of when you move out to a place like this and you keep your eyes open how you absorb every part of the society rather than just the artistic part right because you mm. have to live in la you have to live in america now you just said la feels like home so mm. how are you finding that transition and and, and, and adopting you know a different country's way of thinking I feel like it's what you said before, it's just having a sense of curiosity, mm. like having a spirit of adventure, speaking to people who I just maybe wouldn't normally speak to and just like being actively in the city and like being aware of myself as somebody who comes from the UK in this city and, and just kind of just like soaking in it. Like I think often people move to a city and kind of stay in their, in their bubble where yeah. it's kind of comfortable and they know a few people and they just hang out with those people in their little corner but i think just being curious about where you are is kind of the ethos that i carry you're doing great it took me a few years i was actually i said to toby who's a mutual friend of ours mm. you know and he said oh, I, I think you know she's going to move out to la i said listen i know how tough it is to find a community out here it took me a year or two so if she ever wants to you know hang out and give me a call and have a coffee talk about deftones <laughs> he was like anytime yeah, yeah. and then you know and then and you sound like you've just settled into it beautifully um mm. you know what is the one thing you love the most apart from the people about being here I think nature. Yeah, it's actually. great, isn't it? It's I right spend, there. It's right there. I spend so much time in nature, going up to Big Bear. I love being like, I love being in the water and the water babies. I feel like that's something that people maybe don't think about so much when they think about LA, but there is actually a lot of space to be. Oh, it's, a, it's be such a spoiled brat. <laughs> it is such a spoiled brat. Like, if you look at cities as personalities, California is a spoiled brat because <laughs> it's got everything. Everything. 
It's like, I've got the mountains. I've got the snow. I've got the the coast. (laughs) My daddy's better than all your daddies. (laughs) That's California. That's California. (laughs) Which is beautiful. It's it's got a beautiful naivety to it in that regard, you know. Um, And I agree with you. I love... I love being very close to something that I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. It makes you feel small in the best way. Like I like feeling like a little tiny pebble, like <laughs> yeah. looking up at like super old trees and just like it, it grounds me. I love it. Yeah. Who else did you work with on this record apart from Carter and Ramil? Um, I worked with Buddy Ross. Wow. I worked with R.A.R. Rekshine. Mm. I worked with Paul Epworth. Amazing. Um, I worked with Bird. I worked, I did some of it myself yeah. as well. Yeah. And let's talk about that side of it. Um, you know, I know you make your own music and I know that you produce yourself and ultimately you co-produce everything even if you're working with other people. So mm. when you're on your own, um, how do you find that experience? Would you personally like to make an entire project on your own in the future? No, no, no. No, no I'm a very, like, I need people. Like, when I spend too long by myself, I'm like, ooh, yeah. this is not for me. I think yeah. what I enjoyed about kind of demoing alone, though, is that I felt like that's where I am my most courageous because no one's watching and I can make mistakes and I can kind of fumble around and you know I was I made a few of the songs on tour um one of the songs called Doggos I made in like this hotel room in Toronto and it's just to kind of bottle the lightning honestly it's like it will strike me and I just have to Gotta get it done. I have to get it done I mm-hmm. have to sketch it out otherwise I'll forget because I have bad memory so it's more out of necessity rather than the desire to work in room solo. 306 in a Marriott in yeah. Toronto Ooh. yeah Room 306. <laughs> we've Not all stayed in room. Design. We've all stayed in room 306, Arlo. It's it's a rough day. It's a rough day. Um, you got a chance yeah. to do some really amazing shows and be and, and see stages that people dream of seeing. Mm. Um, you know, going into environments with artists who love you. You know, like Ari and getting a chance to share in his world for a split second. What mm. did you enjoy about that? I feel like it. Just seeing, even just seeing somebody seeing his show, like after I played, seeing his show, seeing the way that he commands that stage, seeing like, just feeling that energy and being like a small part of such a like massive machine and then yeah. just being like a student, you know, I've never, I'd never been in a stadium before, just in any way. Not even as a, as a no. punter or paying. No, no, a, no, well. no. So I just like just stood there. I was like, wow. This so your is first stadium, a lot of people. Your first stadium was you in a stadium. Yeah. And the last, and the last time I played that city was like in a pub that like smelled horrible. And there were like 50 people there. <laughs> and it was the last show before the pandemic. And, and then it ended up. Yeah. What I love about stadiums, I've done a few of them DJing before artists and whatever, and it's like, first of all, it's unless you're headlining it, and to some degree sometimes even when you are headlining Mm. these things, you've got to acknowledge it's just not really your show the way you know it. Mm. Like, for the people who are right at the very, very back, it's an event, it's an experience, it's a moment, it's a day out, it's a chance to sing along, right? But it's not like the shows as we know it, yeah. where there's a thousand people in a room and you feel like you could touch the person on stage or you could touch the person at the back of the crowd. Yeah, It becomes something so beyond everybody who's put it together in mm. a strange way. Yeah, it does. You know? It does, and I think that's the, that's kind of the best thing about 
those shows is that they do just like transform yeah. and everyone is kind of a part of that transformation and yeah i don't know i feel like performing is definitely it's like a gift that you give even if you think about it's yeah. an exchange but it is a gift yeah that's right mm -hmm. it's right and the stadium is like a mass distributed gift yes like a very <laughs> large gift unlike <laughs> unlike a personal here's a gift from me to you shake yeah. hands or embrace and that's it right exactly it's like i remember talking to my friends when the edm thing was out of control mm. Two hundred thousand people showing up at speedways you know <laughs> for like 10 hours to watch like DJs three miles off in the distance wow. with like ice cannons and fire <laughs> and fireworks. It was like, if there was a real li living, breathing dragon that would have pulled that thing out just to, at the peak drop, <laughs> blah, you know, like, get out the dragon. It's the drop, it's Darude. <laughs> and it was so crazy. And I remember saying to my friend, like, do you think anyone even knows what this music, like what the names of these songs are or even half the time who's DJ? Mm. And he gave me the most withering look, you know. He gave me that look that only friends can give you sometimes, which is like, dude, that horse you're on, get off it. <laughs> I know it's high, but get off it. Like, everyone's here to have a good time. Mm. Stop judging the experience from a meta point of view. And, mm. I, and I thought that was a, I never forgot that because I thought, you know, we do sometimes put art on a pedestal mm. and we expect people to feel the same. Mm. For some people, it's just a day out. Yeah. And it's a great way to release. Exactly. And it can just be that. I feel like there are like a million different layers of depth at which you can enjoy a song or an experience. And if it is just an opportunity for you to like go out with your friends. Let loose. And let loose and like hug each other and sing along that's to your favorite songs. That's it. So Arlo, what is that for you? Because music isn't that for you. Maybe it is at times and you probably can do that, but it's also something deep and mm. it's a personal expression. Yeah. So where do you get that kind of guilt-free release? Mm. Musically or just in general? In general. In general. What do I do? I feel like, honestly, I get it a lot from just, like, exercise. Like, I'll just, like, run. I'll You're run a runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a runner. And I feel like I get my release in anything that's, like, physical. That and also cooking, actually. Yeah. Because that feels like a meditation where you're in motion and there's like a specific set of... It's all flow. Ah, it's all flow. And I can't do it. And it's it's, it's the thing that drives me crazy. Like, <laughs> like you I can't flow or you can't cook? I can flow. <laughs> there's hope for me. There's <laughs> <laughs> hope. But me in the kitchen is a bad day because I, I, I find, <laughs> I find, I can't find it the flow in the time, mm. right? The time is too hard-edged for me to catch the wave. Mm. So I, I start running out of it and I start not knowing what to do with it and then I fall out of flow and mm. then everything burns and everything burns. disaster. Yeah. No, it is, it is definitely like, it is all about timing. But I feel like, I don't know, start small. Start with a sandwich. Build cooking, up. cooking advice from Arlo? Is this what's going on right now? I mean, you did it in a way that's said it only a little burns. patronizing. <laughs> Little bit, tiny bit. in a sort of like almost a caringly patronizing exactly. way. Exactly, <laughs> I do. I Consider do. it patronizing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start small. Boil an egg. I'll boil an egg. <laughs> like scrambled eggs, pretty good. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the album. I know it's it's a soft machine conjures up lots of different imagery for me, um, predominantly and immediately the band. Uh, so what what was it that you, that, that that inspired the title? Mm, it was um this film that I watched called The Souvenir. And I wanted the title of the the record to kind of convey this sense of it being the world through my lens and kind of that that sense of ebb and flow, that sense of contrast that yeah. a lot of the record is kind of about like feeling deeply and surrendering to that feeling or kind of 
closing up and, and hiding behind walls. And, and I think even in terms of the instrumentation, there are moments that are a little bit more abrasive and energized and there are moments that are more kind of soft and hypnotic and yeah. i just wanted something that had that sense of contrast i heard some edge i mean i don't want to give too much away but i mean some obviously edge. you know i heard a couple of songs a little while back and there was definitely um and by edge you've always had that but i mean it was it was tough like some mm. of the musicality in there and some of the performance in there i felt there was an energy that you were you tapped into that i hadn't heard on the debut album mm, definitely and i think honestly that just came from like just growth and also feeling like I was able to kind of probe into the different corners of my musical taste. That's something I want to talk a bit about because I feel like you came out with such a, a distinctive voice in an area that people were drawn to and it was unique and it was the cross between poetic thought, melody, soul music, pop music. It was, it was Bjork, it was Saul Williams. It was just all this beautiful thing wrapped mm. up. This is just my observations. Mm. In a way, we all did you a disservice because we were like, well, that's Arlo. Mm. Right? And then when I heard this new music, and this is why I made the joke, not even a joke, because they're one of my, the, like, arguably my favorite rock band of all time. And I said, man, this is rough. Like, I hear almost Chino melodies in mm. there. And that's when Toby was like, well, you should talk to Arlo about Deftones. Mm -hmm. And I want to explore your taste a little bit because I, th I, don't, I think we did you a disservice before mm. by not asking those questions, or I didn't. I feel like, yeah, my taste, I guess, would be maybe surprising to some people like i listen to mainly ambient music at the moment because mm -hmm. this is just like my brain toothpaste as i call it mm. um but listening to a lot of like Duval timothy and brian eno and also a lot of dance music i listen to a lot of object i listen to like Obermono, case and sound and i listen to a lot of rock music mm -hmm. i love white pony so dearly and i saw deftones play at this like a thousand cap venue, O2 Kentish Town uh, in North London. When was that? Like a few months ago. The oh. day that I finished the song, Wow, that seems like it's in that. Because I've seen a couple of shows of them there and that I feel like that's their living room. I mean, that I've seen Chino, I mean, scorch that room. Mm. I mean, I've seen him crowd surf from the front to the back, <laughs> get a pint of beer. This is a true story get a pint of beer and then jump up on everyone's shoulders and crowd surf back. To be fair, decent amount of the beer still in the pint glass. Wow. And then smash the beer and keep saying, I mean, this was younger Chino. He'd probably be like, don't tell that story, bro. <laughs> but like they are to me, like on their day, they make that rage that people search for in a room like that. Mm. It's emotional. It is. It is so emotional. And I think I kind of wanted to just tap into that that sense of like abandon, that sense of, I think the first record, there was a little bit more sense of control. And I was kind of like, what happens if I dissolve that? I was listening to that and I was listening to like MBV oh, and yeah. that song, Who Sees You? Oh. And I was like, how, how that makes me feel. How did like, they oh. make it so soft? I know. And yet it's just I like. Know. It's like intense. So intense, but it's so soft. So ethereal. Mm. That to me is the magic act of what Kevin Shields achieved. Mm is the ability to be able to put that wall in front of you. Yeah. And yet I'm not scared by it. Yeah. It doesn't intimidate me. It's so... Trent does that as well. And it's so delicate. How is it so delicate? Yeah, Trent Reznor is a master of that mm. too. He can hit you so hard. And at the end, you almost like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Thank you. Like, yeah. I needed that. Mm. Like, it's amazing. Mm. The ambient thing's interesting to me as well. I've been listening to a lot of things like 
Nils Fram and Max Richter, a lot of solo piano, right. a lot of uh, what Fred would call the you know the essential reverb, you know, mm. um, the idea of drones yeah. and stuff, which you just mentioned with Brian Eno and things like that. Um, how does that, where does that take you and how, how do you use that in your life? I feel like, well, in the music, I feel like my, my kind of ambient music taste kind of would like veer more towards like there's this record called Himachi by Mai Tai, which is just like oh, very, that. that's wonderful. Uh, there's this. How do you spell Mai Tai? Do you know? Um, M-E-I-T-E-I. Okay, I'll check it out. Thank you. And then there's this record by like Anne Laplantine. And then I listened to this NTS thing, which was this kind of more like doom ambient music by this guy called <sighs> Paul Chain. What does doom ambient music? It's I like don't know. It's like, it's like, imagine like My Bloody Valentine, but like just very like muffled. Wow. And it's like. So suspenseful. Yeah, it's it's suspenseful and it's just like this kind of like bubbling like thing and it's really good. See, oh. simmering and suspense aren't two things I've ever leaned into in my music. Mm. The only suspense I've ever really embraced is the hard dynamic of a mm. soft part and a hard part, yeah. right? So I know yeah. it's going to get hard again. I know it's going <laughs> to get hard again. And yeah. boom, you know? <laughs> and that I'm into. Yeah. But I've never... I'd be interested to know how I feel if I really immersed myself, like you're saying, into something that has a long-term tension to it. Mm, I like that, though. I like it when there's this tension that gets to the point where it's almost unbearable, and then it drops you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then it just drops you. Have you seen Tar, the movie? I have. What did you think? Indeed. I really liked it. Talk about tense. It was so... I was so stressed. Stressful. From the beginning. Stressful. Like, I, I like had to like unclench my fit i realized i was like my whole body was just one big knot i had to watch that in a preview setting because i interviewed kate blanchett mm, amazing it. It was amazing wow. about the film and um <laughs> i came out and by the way that is not my jam mm. right <laughs> like it's taken me 10 years to watch true detective <laughs> everyone's like you've got to watch true detective i'm like listen isolation like lonely cops Kids getting murdered. This is not yeah, my jam. This is not the one. This is not my jam. This is not the one. Um, anyway, I guess I've matured somewhat in, my, in terms of my ability to absorb anxiety because mm. I watched Tar and I loved it. Mm. But I just found the whole thing so unbearably suspenseful and stressful because it's like watching someone's life unravel so yeah. slowly. So slowly. That's the problem. It's like the slow, slow unravel. This long, like slow goodbye, man. Piece, I know. And she just can't see it. And you're just like, oh, I my know. days. I know. It is so stressful to watch that from the outside as well and see someone kind of like slowly, because they're not like hurtling towards their demise. It's just no. like a slow walking almost. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, don't go. Don't go. Don't, don't go down there. And, and literally within five minutes, you're like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, takes exactly. three and a half hours to just be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> She's amazing though. Yeah. Oh God. So amazing. I really feel like you are somebody, and I don't know if this will land and if you'll understand where I'm coming from, but your willingness to be curious and to learn and your ability to absorb that and translate it goes beyond music. I wonder whether or not the there are other areas of the arts, perhaps in front of the camera or even behind the camera, that interest mm. you. Definitely. You know, I would love, one day I would love to be in a movie and I would also love to write a script. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. I mean, I think you'd be an incredible actor, but I, I think you'd write something remarkable. There are moments where I've like kind of started brainstorming bits and pieces and I guess the one thing is that with something like a script or a novel, you really do just have to like sit down and do it for a long time. I don't know how people do it. I know. And I have to be like in a certain, I think maybe a less like frenetic like time in my life. Yeah. When I'm like in my like mid 40s in upstate New York. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. Some of us are already there. 
Settle down. <laughs> Don't put your dream. Your dreams are not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's something cool to look forward to. And it, it, the idea of you being <laughs> able to pick anywhere in the world. This is the artist's life. Mm. And this is the thing I always try to bring it back to at this point in my in my life when I talk to someone inspiring like you, for anyone who's want, looking for inspiration, mm. is that the reason for the risk the reason for the hard work, the reason for the for embracing all of the unknowns mm. is that if you can get yourself to a place where, as you've done, you understand your purpose and you understand your value, then really there is no box. Mm. And you can choose at any given time to go to an airport with no fixed agenda or, or destination, mm. buy a ticket, yeah. fly somewhere and write something. Yeah, And that's your life. Exactly. That is my life. And it and it's so exciting to know that. I think it's so exciting as well to know that there are so many people out there as well who do many different things and who do them well and who have kind of different phases of their life and kind of creative flow and who might just maybe take three years to just write a novel because that's, that's what feels right. Or maybe they'll build furniture or maybe it'll be, you know, like going back to school and, and studying architecture, whatever it might be. And having that freedom is really exciting because I feel like I can kind of go anywhere. The incredible Arlo Parks, a brand new album is on the way. We squeezed as much juice out of that as we possibly could. But of course, you got to wait for the album to come out and hear it for it to really resonate. In the meantime, lots of great life talk, lots of subjects covered, a lot of unexpected talking points, and I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks very much for checking out another conversation right here on the interview series.